Welcome to HunterSportsTalk.com. I'm your host, William Hunter. You see what I did there? I actually named the site after my last name because I think my last name is catchy. But we'll talk about uh, most of the NBA on this podcast. And tell me what you think. Send me an email at HunterSportsTalk.com, but I'll recap. The weekend action so far from Friday and Saturday's games. Let's start off in the East where Boston is closed out by New York 88-80. to um, New York is up by as many as 26 in the fourth quarter. Boston makes a comeback. They make this a game, but Carmelo hits two big shots down the stretch in the last minute after the game to basically send the Knicks, excuse me, the Celtics home. Uh, Carmelo didn't have a great game, 21 points on three, 23 shots, went to the line six times. And the reason that they were in trouble towards the middle and late of the fourth quarter was because sometimes they'll just stop the ball and give the ball to Carmelo and expect him to do a lot. That's one thing they can't really do and they can't afford to do against a better team. For example, Indiana, I think what happens is is that um, the ball becomes stagnant and, excuse me, <clears throat> the ball becomes stagnant and what happens is is that they have a tendency to watch the other four guys on the team and expect Carmelo to do his thing. And you can get away with that in one or two possessions, but you can't really expect that the whole game from Carmelo and they caught themselves um, in that stretch from the end of the third, or the beginning of the fourth and almost, basically at fourth quarter where they were just ball-looking and waiting for Carmelo to do something. Big cog in his comeback for the Celtics is Avery Bradley's defense. Um, he was playing a lot of one-on-one with Carmelo, a lot of one-on-one with Raymond Felton, basically giving them a hard time, being able to initiate the, their offense and getting the ball up the floor where Avery would come out a couple of times. It's been shown in the highlights the last few days where Avery was guarding 94 feet and Avery would go and guard him and, you know, steal the ball a couple times. Ultimately, the reason that Boston doesn't win this series is because of they just ran out of gas. The two best players are the equivalent of 104 years old in NBA years in Garnett and Pierce. And Pierce did this in the Miami series last year. Well, ultimately, you just – it's asking a lot at this point in, in, in his career to guard the best perimeter player as well as being able to score basically from this team what he needs is 20 to 23 points a game. It's a lot to, to ask him to do. Um, you can One would argue that you can say that Avery was the one that was guarding the best perimeter player, but no, they had Pierce guarding Carmelo a lot in this series. It's hard to do. Carmelo can take advantage of Bradley with his size. Bradley's maybe only 6'2", 6'3", and I'm probably being generous when I say that. And Carmelo's 6'7", 6'8". You know, you have to do and what Carmel has always had is a post-up game. So they beat the Knicks. They lose to the Knicks 88-80. And the big question with them is that what happens? What happens to their team? I mean, they're kind of locked in. Pierce has a $5 million buyout. Garnett has set to make $12 million. And he has a $5 million buyout the next year. Um, Age is tried to trade these guys the last few years, but just can't get fair value. The latest trade that was put out there during the trade deadline is DeAndre Jordan and a couple other pieces for Garnett and Pierce, and we all know that DeAndre Jordan plays for the Clippers. It's just not enough. You're heading to the lottery either way, and I think that's what happens with, that's just going to happen with Boston, and maybe they just have to say, hey, we just have to clear the slate just go on, but the problem in doing that is is that if you send Garnett or you get the wrong trade, Garnett, I think, is willing to retire. And I think Pierce is less reluctant, 
But I think Garnett is willing to walk away from 12, possibly 17, possibly $24 million if the buyout is an exercise. So I just think that it's just a tough go for the Celtics. Their best hope is having Rondo come back healthy. But even when Rondo comes back healthy, this is not a championship team. So interesting questions and interesting offseason for Boston as far as how, how are they going to handle this. Danny Ainge is... Talk, uses talks about this story a lot in the media where he was part of the Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish dynasty, and Red Arback, the GM at the time, had a chance to trade McHale or Parrish for Mark McGuire for Dallas Mavericks back in the late 80s, early 90s. He decided not to do it. We all know what happens from there. They basically crumble after 1991 when they lose a playoff series to the upstart Charlotte Hornets. You remember that team with Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, Grandmama, and Muggsy Bogues being three foot nine. They lose that series. That team wasn't the same again. It wasn't a contender for the next maybe 10 years until they pull off 10 to 15 years, basically. You have a couple good years in there where Pierce makes the conference finals with Antoine Walker, and I think him and Walker made the playoffs a couple of times, but they weren't considered legit contenders until they pulled off the Kevin Garnett trade where they traded, and also the Ray Allen trade where they traded the number five pick to the then Seattle Supersonic. So, interesting to see what they're going to do. Indiana also wins last night, and they go on to face New York. They take care of Atlanta 81-73. to um, One thing I want to talk about with Atlanta and their crowd, not the best crowd in the world. I've never, I don't think that. But they're, they're not a crowd that sits on their hands. Um, all 10 of them that show up in the, to the games, they actually cheer. And it's not a bad situation where you go to Atlanta and it's just quiet. You know, it's a lot of situations where there are a lot of deports. It's not a lot of Atlanta natives, a lot of people from other cities that happen to end up in Atlanta. And you do see a lot of Miami jerseys when you go there, Oklahoma City jerseys. I can't believe that people are willing to leave Oklahoma City to go to Atlanta. Yeah, you, know, you get me, but my point is, is that these people aren't Oklahoma City natives, and they're not Miami natives. They're just fans of the NBA, and they happen to have a team in Atlanta that no one, well, not a lot of people care about. But they win that, lose that game 81-73. They have a lot of offseason questions as well. Um, what do you do with Josh Smith? Do you go ahead and give Josh Smith the money? He's not getting the max, by the way. Calm it down. Simmer down a little bit. The max is not happening. Um, he only had 14 points yesterday. Um, nine rebounds. I just think that Josh Smith is more of a three if he's willing to accept that role. But the problem is when you have him at the three, you have to have other players that are that's able to shoot the ball. And that's one thing they don't have on this particular team. Jeff Teague is a slasher. Didn't have a great game. Only 10 points on and two assists and three for 12 shooting. Um, Devin Harris was okay at 14 points. But the one thing about Josh Smith long-term, whether it's with the Hawks or not, is that can he be the guy that'll – he's not going to be the guy that carries your franchise. He's going to be the – and you will really want him to be your third best player. You may be able to get by if you have the right pieces in place to make him your second best player on a contending team. But he, as he's shown this year, he's the same player. He puts you in the same position that Joe Johnson puts you in. As far as not being a contender, a 42-45 to 45 win team, 4-6 through six seed in the playoffs. I mean, he is what he is, and you just have to be careful when you give whatever money to Josh Smith. 
probably between a four or five year deal in the fifty, sixty million dollar range. Don't feel comfortable with that, but that's probably the deal that he's looking for. Not necessarily looking for it, probably wants a hundred million because he's Josh Smith, you know. But a deal that both parties can be comfortable with. But it'll just be interesting to see what they do. A lot of one two year contracts, they have a lot of free agents on their roster. Now the only guy that's locked in probably is Al Horford of significance. But everyone else is on a one year deal or a two year deal. But most of the guys are on one year deals where they can rebuild. It'll be interesting to see what Danny Ferry does with this team as far as stop gaps and plugs and does he go ahead and tear this down and say we're gonna be a fifteen twenty win team because of the great draft, not this year, but next year, the twenty fourteen draft. I call it the Wiggins draft. The kid from Canada is the best player. And this is the kid that is known probably as the franchise. So, a franchise player. So, it, it'll be interesting to see. But it's not just him that's in that draft. It's 10 to 15 guys, according to draft experts, that can change a franchise around. So, one, I wonder if they're just going to tear it down and say, hey, Lou, just do your thing. Lou Williams is under contract next year towards ACL up. But she'll be back next year. He's on a three-year deal. be the second of a three-year deal. If he says, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and give the team a little Williams and we're going to win 15 to 20 games this year. And with Al Horford being the pieces. Kind of hard for ticket sales, but hey, Atlanta supposedly doesn't have ticket sales anyway. Looking at this series, and one would argue that Paul George is probably the best player, but I beg to differ. I think the best player for Indiana is David West. He had 21 and 8 last night. You have to run a lot of your offense through him. You have to think that he'll make the, a good pass and make the pass out once he has it at the high post. That's what he does. Uh, didn't have a lot of assists last night, only two assists, four blocks. He's a free agent this year, too, and I just want, I'm just i interested to see what he gets on the market. But they go on to play New York in the next round, and I think Indiana wins this series. Um, it's going to be hard series, six or seven games, but one reason I think Indiana wins it it's because I think Indiana is can handle the scoring droughts more so than New York has. You saw in this series that New York had issues with not scoring. The defensive intensity didn't stay up, didn't rotate. And this was a bad offensive team. Now, mind you, Indiana's not a great offensive team either. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're better than the Celtics. <clears throat> Excuse me. They can handle offensive droughts. They're not a high-scoring team. I think they'll they'll go ahead and and be be able to beat the Knicks in six or seven games. The one thing I think about this series is when they go ahead and face all likely more than likely Miami is that they're both one player away from being a true contender. And what I mean by that is, you know, Miami has the three legit all stars and Bosch Wade and the other guy I forget his name LeBron, but. With Indiana, the stretches of, of of offensive droughts is just too much. And with Miami, excuse me, with New York, it's just one of those deals where Carmelo Anthony is your only consistent, legit score. Um, what I mean by that, Carmelo's a guy like what happened last night. He can go 7 for 23 and still come up with 21 points. Um, people are saying when they listen to this podcast, what about J.R. Smith? No, not a consistent score. Well, J.R. Smith is bad. He's bad. He's the type of guy that can go one for 17 and only have four to six points. Um, with a ball, with a guy that can score the ball, they find ways to score. That's one thing Carmelo can do is just find ways to score. 
I just think they're one player away. I think Indiana has a chance to get that one player. Maybe with Danny Granger, if he comes back, if he turns out to be a 15 to 16 point a game score, you don't need Danny Granger from a few years ago when he was scoring 24, 25 points on 40% shooting. Just need a guy that can be another score. And then they have they're gonna have cap room with David West being a free agent, but I just wonder. Um, the lock David West stuff, they all indications out of Indiana says that they they're gonna lock him up. But yeah, I think with this series, you'll see when you see this series compared to when Miami plays. Indiana and New York are just one player away. Six or seven game series, I think Indiana takes it. Out west, Oklahoma City beats Houston one hundred three to ninety four. Not a lot to say with this one. Oklahoma City just got a second score, and his name is Kevin, Kevin Martin because the second score in the game, and it's one of those guys, Kevin Durant light. What I mean by that is, is that he can get a lot of points without taking a lot of shots from the field. Officially, twenty-five points on thirteen shots went to the line eight times. That's what they're going to need for them to advance past the second round, which they're going to face Memphis. We'll talk about that series in a minute, but I just don't think you can get that from Kevin Martin at this point in his career. I think you need certain players in place. You just can't tell Kevin Martin to just go ahead and go ice on him and do your thing. One reason why Kevin Martin was so successful in in Oklahoma City this year is that he was playing off of Russell Westbrook and playing off Kevin Durant. And what I mean by playing off, a lot of dribble drive, and then you just have Kevin Martin open in the corner. Not saying that Kevin Martin can't make his own shot. I just think you're asking a lot at this point of Kevin Martin to be a 20-point per game scorer and just let him take over a unit. Uh, he's done that in Oklahoma City this year where he was the only guy there a few times, but I don't think that I think the way that Oklahoma City structured it was always Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook on the floor. Uh, Kevin Durant, speaking of him, twenty seven points on thirteen on twenty three shots, eight rebounds, but you need him. One thing he's been known throughout his career, Russell Westbrook has been known more of as a chucker while Kevin Durant has been known as the efficient guy, the twenty seven point 15-shot kind. He can't do that with his team right now with Russell Westbrook being injured. How about Reggie Jackson? Played 45 minutes, by the way. Had 18 points. Eight assists. Stepped in when Russell left off. The leaves in the shot. The one thing I take out of Reggie Jackson's game so far in this series is that when at the end of game four, I think, where... It, it, where Oklahoma City had a chance to close out the series, Durant is at the top. He loses the ball, gives the ball to Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson fumbles the handoff. And Reggie Jackson just goes to the hole. Doesn't know that, hey, probably Kevin Durant's our best chance. And nothing wrong with him taking it to the hole. And you want to run a guy that's not scared of the shot. But I just don't think he's a starting caliber point guard at this point of his career. That may change. Wouldn't be surprised if he – but he's in that Eric Blessing class to me uh, – Someone at some point is going to give him a big contract. He's not going to be ready for it. And what I mean by big contract, three years, something, $30 million, something like that. Eight to $10 million a year player. And he is not that. They move on. Successful season for Houston. Um, wasn't expected to do that much. They have a lot of cap room, attractive pieces already there. Parsons, Chandler is his name. Chandler Parsons had 25 points. James Harden had 26 uh, they have a lot of pieces there and a lot of cap room, enough cap room to go out there and get a max player. So wouldn't surprise me if they did that. And wouldn't surprise me if they go from a 44-win team to a 
high 50 win team next year because of all the capital. They make the right moves. A lot of players develop. Chandler Parsons has been a player. Omar Sheik I've been really uh, impressed with. Had a, issues with Chicago finishing shots when he got rebounds, but has improved that dramatically this year. Had 13 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, can be a nice sign and trade piece. Don't really have a problem with him being their center moving forward, but if they wanted a White Howard or maybe an Andrew Bynum um, in a sign and trade situation, the Sheik could probably be the guy that will be shipped off in a sign and trade. So, really don't have a problem with that. Another situation to keep an eye on in Houston is Patrick Beverly probably taking over the point guard spot for Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin had another injury in this postseason, didn't play that much. Only played 13 minutes, wasn't effective because he wasn't healthy. Uh, Lin's position may be best being a six-minute off the bench, giving him a unit for 10 or 15 minutes to just let him do his thing and be a scoring point guard. Beverly has been really effective. Come from overseas. So, just one of those deals where um, I think Beverly probably takes over the point guard spot. Wouldn't be surprised they kept both at the beginning of the year, but Beverly probably cheaper option. Let a lot more cash space go, and Jeremy Lin's a box office. He'll sell tix- tickets, so I think it'll just be one of those situations where a team will take a chance on him. That's what he's seizing for Houston. Memphis in the grindhouse goes on to win. He gets the Clippers 118 to 105. That crowd is one of the best crowds in the NBA. Um, they're loud, and one thing they do is play a lot of interesting hip hop music. When you're walking down the court for their home team, every time they walk down the court, it's just always loud in there. Um, random note Tony Allen had a big game uh, 19 points and scored most of those points in the first half. He was just spectacular. Seven points, six, re- six assists. Uh, didn't get a lot from Marcus Gasol, only had 10 points, was in foul trouble most of the game. So was Zebo. But Zebo had 23 and 5. Um, just played a great all around game. I just worry about them as they move on, where that third and fourth score comes come from. Mike Conley had 23 points. Um, has a tough matchup in the next round against Oklahoma City, but I think he's the better guy. When he's going up against Reggie Jackson, I don't think it's out of the question that he scores 15 to 20 points a game on Reggie Jackson. Um, they move on, and they just, it really, uh, the Clippers a few times had a chance to get close, and they did get close. Only players that supposedly showed up was Bat Barnes with 30 points and 10 rebounds. Didn't miss a shot in the first half. Ended up go, ends up going 11-14, 6 of 7 from 3. And Chris Paul, 28 points, 8 assists. Uh, just asking a lot of them. The big storyline in this game and in this series was after, in the, at, right before game five, the Clippers have a practice. Uh, Blake Griffin sprained his ankle. Wasn't the same, only played nine minutes. Didn't play that much in game five either. Nine minutes, 14 minutes, nine points. Um, just wasn't ready to go. And just questions abound made up by the media. Um, is Chris Paul saying, do you break this team up? Probably do. Then you have to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. He only had five points and four rebounds. And one thing they've been doing the last few years, basically since he's emerged as a player, they've taken him out and they put other guys in stretches in crunch time, and he doesn't finish games. He only had 17 minutes tonight, and one thing that Vinny did was that he went deep in his bench. Grant Hill played 20 minutes. Um, They had him guarding. Zach Randolph, not a good look. And Willie Green playing 15 minutes. They just have a lot of questions, but I don't think 
that nothing. I don't think anything is going to happen out of the ordinary. I think Chris Paul signs with the Clippers, and that's it. And then they build their team from there. They make the necessary moves. A lot of guys on one or two year deals here too. Lamar Odom's a free agent. Grant Hill contemplating retirement. Um, Chauncey Billups is a free agent. And then and one random tangent I want to get on. Sometimes when you have guys in place, you kind of block off the other guy. That's what's happening here with Chauncey Billups and the Eric Bledsoe situation. I get why you trust Chauncey Billups. He's a finals MVP. He's an NBA champion. What's not to trust? And then with Eric Bledsoe, you know, he's a little pistol starter. What I mean by that, a guy that comes off the bench and does his thing. And only two or three years of experience. You can see why you do that, but it may be a situation. I'm on board with just getting rid of Chauncey Billups, but the reason why they probably won't get rid of Chauncey Billups is because Chris Paul, that's one of Chris Paul's 15 brothers in the league, by the way. Chris, if you listen to Chris Paul, that's my brother. That's my bro. He has like 15 brothers that he talks about. The whole Olympic team is basically his brothers. You know, and what I mean by that is, is that a lot of these guys come up playing AAU ball together. So, yeah, that's, it is what it is. But as a good luck charm for Chris Paul, if he stays in L.A., I don't think Chauncey Billups leaves. Billups leaves. I think actually Eric Bledsoe gets traded, which will probably be good for his career. Then you can probably see what he ended up being, which his destiny is a six-man off the bench where there's nothing wrong with that. But before he reaches his destiny, he's going to get paid like a starting point guard and we're going to realize that he's not a starting point guard. Good luck to that team that does that. There's nothing wrong with being Lou Williams in your career. Uh, Memphis and Oklahoma City, like I said, I think Memphis is the favorite in this series without Wessel Westbrook for the, for the Thunder. I think Memphis takes care of Oklahoma City in six. We'll talk about that, those games as they move on. Oklahoma City and Memphis, they both they, they played starting Sunday and today. And also with New York and Indiana, both of those games are today. Um, on to last night's, the only game, the showcase, as we like to call it. Chicago goes on to win and take care of the Nets. And what an embarrassing win. What an embarrassing loss for the franchise, which is the Brooklyn Nets. They lose the game 99-93. Just crazy. The Bulls don't have Kurt Heinrich. They don't have Derrick Rose. They don't have Luol Neng, who had a spinal tap and was recovering from that. They have Joakim Noah playing on plantar fasciitis. And Lamus Herman, that's just bad feet. And they still lose the game, by the way, in Brooklyn. What can you say about Brooklyn? And the thing about them, really can't make a lot of moves because they're locked into this team. Multi-year deals for the starting five, basically, except Reggie Evans. And... You're locked into the Joe Johnson contract. They didn't really show up this game. They only had six points on two for 14 shooting. He disappeared like a magic act, basically. So, I mean, what can you do? It's just one of those deals where you're just locked in, and maybe a coach can change the mentality of this team, but they don't have a dog. What I mean by that, they don't have an emotional leader. One would argue is Reggie Evans, but in the championship form, you can't have your eighth or ninth best player be your emotional leader, and that's the reason why Reggie Evans bounced around a lot. It's a skill that's needed. Rebounding, not a great defender. Offensive rebounding, but he can't be your emotional leader, I don't think. Unless you got dogs in there that's willing to go in there and just take over. So, uh, they lose. 
they don't come up. They come up short in Brooklyn, and Chicago goes on to face Miami in the second round. That series will start on Monday. Noah had 24 and 14, played 41 minutes. Everyone in the starting lineup for Chicago plays over 29 minutes. And I'm going to give you two seconds to guess who's the one guy in the starting lineup that played the least minutes. If you guess the guy that makes the most money right now, Carlos Boozer, you're absolutely correct. He only played 29 minutes because of defensive efficiency, 17 points on seven rebounds. He didn't have a bad game. It's just Boozer has an issue with playing defense. And at this point, he is what he is. They get a lot from the bench. Gibson is recovering from the flu. Um, Nate Robinson had 12 points, a relatively quiet game for him. And they go on to face Miami. And then I think with Miami, not necessarily they're going to win. They're just going to take Miami to five, six, seven games. And you think to yourself, oh, ooh, they're going to take Miami to five, six, seven games. If they end up going to five, it'll be a physical five. And I'm going to go out on a limb again and say, you're probably going to see a fight in this series. Probably going to see a fight. So, they go ahead, they take care of business. Noah guaranteed before Game 7 they're going to win. They won. They go on to to, to face Miami. Luol Ding hopes to be back Monday for the series, and Derrick Rose has already shut it down and said he's probably not coming back this season, rightfully. So, um, there's an interview that he did on TNT a few, a few days ago. He was saying that he wasn't mentally ready. If you're not mentally ready, there are plenty of cases where guys come back too early from injuries. And that's why people, uh, uh, well, they come back too early from injuries and he ends up messing up the injury even more. That's why you can't really knock Andrew Bynum for not coming back and trying to be as healthy as possible um, as far as, you know, being able to be productive and not have Stan Steele's in a career where he plays 30 games and out for 60. Uh, maybe in the best interest, maybe he thought he was in his best interest just to be out those you know, for the rest of the season. Probably interest of whoever's going to get them as well. So they go on to face them and with no dead growth, but they'll still be competitive. Uh, one last note, LeBron James, it's going to come out probably Monday when it's given to him. It's going to be a press conference Monday. Wins his fourth MVP in five years. Um, but just a random tangent I want to get on to, and I'll leave on this, is that this is the reason why he went to Miami. First thing you think of was that, hey, he won two of those MVPs. And well, he won a lot of those MVPs in Cleveland. Yeah, you want MVP in Cleveland, but it's more of a contender here. And that was the ultimate reason that he left Cleveland. Now, he might not have been articulate in telling you and told you the right way as far as his services being sweepstakes. Probably rumors are that he had this locked in uh, years ago uh, when they were in the Olympics in late that he was going to Miami with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh happened to be a part of that too. But Cleveland had multiple opportunities to lock LeBron up by making the right personnel moves. The ones that come off the top of my head is the Antoine Jameson move, a panic move, um, and also Mo Williams. Those are not guys that – and not that Mo Williams is a bad player. It was just that Mo Williams was your second option on a championship team. Mo Williams is not a second option on a championship team. Not a good look. So, and then Antoine Jameson, you had that bad contract for two or three years. Didn't draft well. Because what they were doing when they were getting these players, they were actually giving away draft picks also. So they just didn't make the right personnel moves. And it's not that Miami's a big market is the reason that he went. And it's just that they had a better opportunity to win. They had cap space. One thing they did was Miami stay competitive. The year I think before they got LeBron was that they got 47-48 wins and lost in the first round to Boston that year. 
But, uh, I mean, if you're competitive, I think you'll stay. And he was only 20 minutes away from his house. I think he was willing to stay in Cleveland. It just didn't work out. And management just didn't make the right moves. Another tangent I want to get on is that early in the year, people were making the push to give Kevin Durant an MVP award. It's hard for me to see. If LeBron's at his best and Kevin Durant's at his best, it's hard to be seeing that Kevin Durant ever is going to win MVP anytime soon. Um, you got to give it to the best player. It's one thing if you're the best player, your team goes 38 and 44. I get that. You really can't do that. Uh, but when it's a difference of four or five wins and LeBron is just a better all-around player than Kevin Durant. And I believe LeBron when he says, if I wanted to win a scoring title, I could win the scoring title. And that was the problem with him being in Cleveland. Um, I just think it's hard to do that. So, uh, with LeBron being there, and Kevin Durant came out with a quote a week or so ago saying he was second best in high school, second best in college, now he's second best in the NBA. In so many words, he's tired of being second best. Love the tenacity, love the fight. But sorry, Durant, you're going to be second best. And the media was trying to drive him winning an MVP award, and the whispers were shut down by midseason. Um, the NBA writers have a – the guys that vote have a tendency to do that. They like to give lifetime achievement awards. One I can think of is Barkley getting an MVP award in 94, and Carl Malone, one of his MVP award was a lifetime achievement award. Just give it to the best player. Um, and Barkley had, actually had a better year a few years ago in Philadelphia. It wasn't even his best year. Just had a better team. So that factor into the MVP award somewhat is that you're on the best team. And nothing wrong with that. I understand that. Uh, but Kevin Durant, great player. Would love to have him on my team, but he's the second best player in the NBA four years to come. He'll be first all-NBA, but he'll be first in that. That's a hope for uh for this, I'll be back on Monday to recap the games from today and to preview the games on tomorrow. We're only down to four, two in the East, two in the West. And next thing you know, this season, this season has been breezing by. Um, so we'll be done. Shoot, we're, we're heading towards June. We'll almost be done. Um, leave a comment. Send me something. Send me an email, huntersportstalk at gmail.com. I'm William Hunter. You've been listening to Hunter Sports Talk.